right, Psalms 42. Psalms 42. Verse 1. We'll read five verses. As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? It's a good question. When your heart and your soul is thirsty. David asked a question. When am I going to show up and appear before God? My tears have been my meat day and night, while they continually say unto me, Where is thy God? David's enemies were mocking him, throwing stones and rocks, as it were, at him and saying, look at you, David. Look at your situation. Look at your depression. Look how overwhelmed you are. Where is your God? When I remember, verse 4, these things, I pour out my soul in me, for I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise, with a multitude that kept holy day. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. As we go through the dark times of the soul, we all need something to hold us steady. The life of faith sometimes is like clinging to God when our experience is saying in our heart, where is God? Especially when we don't see a lot of evidence of God's presence and power in our lives. We call these things spiritual slumps, dry seasons, dark and deep valleys of life. And they are all common to both the saved and the unsaved. Can we say like David when we are going through our dark times of life, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Two of the strongest emotions in life, and you hear people say what they are all the time, they are love and hate. And they are right. They are strong emotions. But don't underestimate the power of fear. That's what our country has been going through in these last two years. The fear of all the things that are going on in our country. All the fears, the deep-seated fears that Americans in these last two years are experiencing. People are more concerned, deeply concerned, and very afraid of what's going on in America today. And in one sense, they got a right to be because things out there are not looking good. Things in America are not looking good. Fear is an emotion that the devil and wicked men are using to bring America into submission to bondage and to bring them to a post-Christian society where Christianity is no longer the dominant influence in our cultures, in our cities, in our homes. We are moving into a time when Christianity is playing out 
And what's happening? People are being filled with fear. And everybody that forgets God, all nations that forget God, are being turned into hell. Things are being turned upside down. And what's happening? A lot of people in America today are deeply disturbed and deeply depressed. That's what I want to talk to you about this morning. It was just that kind of situation that made David say, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. This is why our worship times are so crucial. We need a body of people who will remain faithful to God and hold on to each other. What we need is a community of saints who will remain unmovable in their worship to God. What we need are more and more believers who will never lose the gladness and the joy of worshiping God together. Just think of what you felt in the opening of our service. The songs of Zion. They were lifting. They were consoling. They were soothing. They gave you a little sense of confidence, a little sense of hope. And that's what the Word of God is designed to do. That's what worship is designed to do, to pick us up from the doldrums, to pick us up from our valleys, and set us on the way with confidence that God will never forsake us. We need to be reminded as God's people that God is not offended by our fear and our doubts and our sorrows and our griefs and our worries and our questions and our need. He wants to hear from his children. Christians are not exempt from dark experiences walking through their valleys of depression, discouragement, and anxiety. I've talked to three, I'm getting ready to to get the camp meeting list and I've talked to several pastors in the, in the last two weeks and they all say the same thing. Things are getting difficult. Pastoring is becoming more difficult. Trying to keep the people of God interested in the schedule and the events and the revivals and the camp meetings and the regular services is becoming a mountain to climb. And many people and many pastors are very concerned about what's going on. Christians are not exempt from the experiences. Sooner or later, life's downsides will visit our shores like they're visiting our shores in America today. And we know that part of what's going on is nothing short of the judgment of God. But these experiences, spiritual depression, spiritual discouragement, they're real. They go by various names. Martin Lloyd-Jones wrote a wonderful book and he called it Spiritual Depression. A.W. Tozer called it the ministry of the night. The Puritans called it the child of light walking in darkness. Not the darkness of sin, but the darkness of spiritual depression. 
the darkness of the absence of God's influence in our schools, in our businesses, and in our homes. Luther, Surgeon, Spurgeon, uh, Finney went through seasons of depression and weeping. The biographies of the reformers are filled with seasons of dark and terrible nights and deep valleys. The Bible itself is full of the prophets and believers who often went through their dark valleys of depression. Winston Churchill, not a Christian, but he went through many terrible seasons of depressions where all he would do is cry. For long periods of time he cried because he saw what was happening in our nations. He saw how atheism and communism was trying to take over the world and it was overwhelming, it was depressing to him and he cried for long seasons. He referred to these moments as his black dog who went with him everywhere he went and sometimes his black dog attacked him. Depression. Natural depression, spiritual depression. Natural depression can occur biologically through medications, illnesses, diseases, weight gain, social and marital conflicts, or imbalances within us, side effects from medications. Then there's the genetics, the crazy genes that attack us all. But if you're fortunate enough, you can be one who flew over the cuckoo's nests. Depression attacks George and Iva. Where are you? Oh, this is for you. Around Christmas time, depression attacks millions of folks around Christmas time, and especially after Christmas. After the great joy of Christmas, a new year comes. Oh, it's a wonderful time. We look forward to Christmas and New Year's and all the parties and all the food. But then, the winter months. Then, there's less sunshine and light and it knocks the joy right out of us. Then, the cold and the wind and the snow and the ice pummel us for two months with the gloom and doom brothers. January and February. Then there are natural depressions. Right, Ivan? Amen? How often do we complain? No sunshine. Look at her. She's the most tanned person in the church. And I'm right on her heels. Then there are natural depressions. Being overworked. Burnout, marital financial problems, loneliness, old age, hair loss, energy loss, looks loss, teeth loss, hearing loss, eyesight loss. The aging process is cruel. And when a non-Christian experiences natural depression, that can be often because he doesn't know God. And that's God's way of saying, I'm the only one who can satisfy your soul because, in the, because I am the only fountain of living waters. Being reconciled back to God is the most magnificent prescription for these days of deep and dark depression. Depression has enemies. Listen. Depression has enemies. We need to be aware of this. This is a temptation for both 
saved and unsaved. Satan can work through spiritual depression to pull us away from God. Depression has led its millions into a host of addictions, such as drunkenness, drugs, promiscuity, overeating, excessive TV, and a host of other bad habits, which will only depress us more. Long illnesses can depress us, can over, overcome us. My wife and I are going through it. The Lewises are going through it. Some people know, was it, know what it is to be knocked down every day, to not feel good every other day, to not know whether they're going to live another day, another week. Depression, when it hits you, it can hit you hard. But it brings danger. It brings different moods. It brings crazy ideas. It brings thoughts into your mind. I can't do this anymore. I give up. I throw the towel in. It's over. It's too much for me. And I believe what sets us up for our weak moments is the fact that as Christians, we enjoy from time to time being on the mountaintop. Aren't you glad that you have a church where you come in, you can feel the mountaintop experience? You can get blessed. You can feel the presence of God. You see things going on in the church that are just lifting. You look over there and you see one who's suffering with this and one who's dealing with that and one who's going through that. But there they are in the house of God. Their flag is up. They're praising God. And they're just leaving all their worries, all their troubles, all their depression behind them. Thank God for a church that you can come in. And what about the revelations of truth? What about the wonderful truths that we've learned in the church of God that 95% of the religious world it doesn't even come close to the eschatology and the end time events. And they got you thinking an antichrist is coming and he's going to tear up the earth for seven years. Antichrist came in Jesus' day. John said, even now there are many antichrists. Anything that's against this book, against the commandments, against holiness, against righteousness, is an enemy of God. It's an antichrist thing. But thank God we have been educated. We don't have all the truth. We never said that we had all the truth. But oh, how those truths thrill our souls. Amen. How many can say amen to that? Thank God. There are great times in the Lord. We are growing in the Lord. We are productive in the faith. We are making contribution into the kingdom of God. Your intimacy with God is real. God is showing you revelations of the word of truth. But that same road has deserts and wilderness experiences in its future. Remember, right after Jesus was anointed with the Spirit, God looked down and affirmed him and said, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And immediately the Spirit of God led him into the wilderness to be tempted and tried of Satan. You see, you and I have to go through our wildernesses. We've got our deserts. God wants you to know if the metal in you is gold or not. And it's going to happen. 
the deserts, the wilderness experiences are all part of the journey. Listen. David had the key. Yea, though I walk. Yea, though I walk through the valley, through the deep, dark valley. You've got to keep walking. You may not feel like it. You may not feel like worshiping God. You may not feel like praying. You may not feel like worshiping with the saints. This new thing has come up, you know. Oh, I don't want to get around crowds. That's when you are most vulnerable and most ignorant and a, and a, and a sitting duck for Satan. Never give up, never stop worshiping God, never stop praying, never stop believing. In spite of all your why questions, why hasn't God answered my prayers? Why hasn't God saved my spouse, my children? Why, has God, why hasn't God healed me? Why has, uh, why has all this happened to me? My wife and I were talking the other day. She's got three diseases right now, and all of them are misery. And we ask the question, why, Lord? And you may not get an answer, but you've got to keep walking. You've got to keep moving. A hitting target, a moving target is harder to hit. And if you slow down, you've become an easy target for the devil. And believe me, he goes about roaring, seeking whom he may devour. He knows what he's doing, saints. You've got to keep walking. Why? Why do you have to keep walking? This is wonderful. Because valleys follow mountains. And blessings follow battles. And grace follows obedience. And victories follow overcomers. Look at the valley that followed Elijah's victory in Mount Carmel. If ever there was a great victory, it happened when he called down fire from heaven and he slew all the prophets of Baal. But keep reading. Right after that, Elijah got a message from Jezebel and immediately he went into deep valley of depression asking the Lord, why wasn't there a revival? Why wasn't there more happening for you, God? He even wanted to take his life. And he took his servant and broke fellowship with his servant and left him in a safe place. And he isolated himself and went into a cave. And he did the worst thing he could have done. When you're going through something, you can't run from church, run from the saints, run from the anointed word. That's when you and I need God the most. And America needs God the most right now. So stop running. Away from the situation. Away from the things that God ordained for you to stay on top of it. Never give up. Never give up. 
He thought he was the only prophet standing. And God reminded Elijah that he was not alone in the battle for there were 7,000, thank God, who had not bowed their knee to Baal. Spiritual depression is deadly. When that alone spirit jumps on you, and had it not been for the weedy-like breakfasts that God prepared for him when he found him in the desert, he needed lots of sleep. He needed lots of weedy breakfasts. And had not Elijah received strength and nourishment from God, he would have died in that cave. But God had a mission for him. God had a calling for him. He said, go ahead, eat, Elijah. Now lay down and sleep. And then he woke him up. He said, eat again, eat again, sleep again, sleep again. Why? Because the journey for you is long and hard, a heart in front of you. And you're going to need your strength. Saints, we get our strength in here. We get our strength when we we connect with God. We get our strength when we follow our knees, when we praise God. We get our strength when we say yay and amen to God's word, God's truth. Stop running away from God. And had Elijah not been nourished, he would have missed calling and anointing Elisha to be his replacement. Saints, we've got to, in these troubled times, keep walking. And the truth is, souls everywhere come into our worship services in these spiritually deep and gut-wrenching days. And when they're here, we want them to know they're not alone. We want them to know that we care. We want them to know that God cares. And we want them to know, never give up. Never turn your back. Never throw the towel in. Why? There's no other place to go. You're going to miss heaven because you're having a bad month? Maybe someone here today is going through a valley. And you're trying to carry your burdens. But you know your burdens are too heavy to bear alone. Jesus got a word for you. Come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Don't be fooled by those who say. If you become a Christian all your troubles will be gone. You'll be happy all the day long. Somebody says, does that mean if I'm no longer a Christian, when I'm going through the burdens and troubles and I feel depressed and discouraged? No. It just means that that other Christian didn't prepare you. He didn't tell you the truth. Christianity doesn't take you so much out of this world that you don't ever have trials and depressions and discouragements. The truth is, become a Christian. Be forgiven of your sins, but know there will be valleys and trials deeper than what you will have as a non-Christian because Satan will oppose you all he can to sever your relationship with God. You see why Christianity is an uphill grind sometimes? 
is because when you say no to the devil, he just keeps tormenting you. He just keeps pouring it on. He just keeps attacking. He keeps accusing. He's throwing everything at you. Sinners don't have that problem. They're not being tormented. They're in such a stupor, they don't even know what's going on. But you and I have God in us, Christ in us, the Holy Spirit in us. That is what the devil is after. So if you're wondering about becoming a Christian, I would do you no favor by saying living for God is going to be like a rose garden or a walk through the park. God didn't promise us a rose garden. But he did say this. Straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to life and few there be who find that. What does that mean to you? It means if you're going to make it, you're going to have to stay on the straight and narrow. That's what it means. Jesus said, if any man follows me, what do he say? Let him deny himself. Take up his cross like I had to take up my cross and follow me. I often wondered if I approached today's Christians on the street and asked them, you ought to do this sometime. Ask some Christian, if I become a Christian, what would Christianity provide for me as a believer? Do you know what some of the answers are? Health, wealth, and prosperity. You can name it and claim it and grab it and blab it and nab it and have it. Success. Why, have you become a Christian? You can have success. You can have a summer home. You become a Christian, you can have peace and a better job and a nice home and a good career. And today it just seems that the overhaul general consensus is that Christianity is, it offers you whatever you want. All you got to do is name it and claim it in Jesus' name. Ignorance. Spiritual and religious ignorance is at an all-time high from the top echelons to the bottom in America. Whatever it is that makes you happy, satisfies your ambitions and desires and dreams, that's what Christianity offers you. It's an ambition that's geared to satisfy all your wants and needs. What a false and confusing message is being presented today in the ranks of Christianity when the Bible makes it very plain what Christianity is. Jesus, every would-be seeker that came up to Jesus, he told them straight exactly what it meant to follow him. He didn't try to just hook them in because he was looking for numbers. He told them what the cost was going to be to follow him. The Bible says what Christianity offers us is very simple. It's Jesus Christ and him crucified. 
That's what Christianity has to offer you. A savior. And a certain scribe came and said unto Jesus, Master, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And what did Jesus say unto him? He looked at him and said, Look, the foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man don't even have a place to lay his head on. He don't even have a pillow. You still want to follow me? Matthew 18, 24, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will try to save his life is going to lose it. But whoever loses his life for the sake of God, for the will of God, for the kingdom of God, he's going to find his life and it's going to be an abundant life, a satisfied life, a full life. Spiritual depression is like a panic attack, a fear that just overwhelms you and you feel like the walls are closing in on you. And just when you think it can't get worse, it does. Sometimes it's like that in the Christian life, but you've got to keep walking. God has a reason now. God has a reason for these seasons. And the reason is, the reason we go through the ups and the downs and we go through the dark valleys, the reason is God knows we need those kinds of things in our lives from time to time. Why? They build up resistance. They build up character. They build up endurance. And all those trials and tribulations you go through, what they're doing is preparing you for the journey. They're making you stronger. And God has your best interest. It's not that God's up there in heaven trying to zap you with this and zap you with that. It's just the natural course of life. There's ups and downs. Even nature teaches us the necessity of night in darkness. Every good gardener will tell you Flowers need not only sunshine, they need darkness. If it was all sunshine all the time, they would burn out. They would burn up. Some flowers close and rest, and it's good for them. And it's good for us as well, just like we need our sleep every night. John Collins tells the story of a church member who went to the pastor and complained that other members were shying away from that individual because that individual just kept talking too much and asked the pastor, Pastor, what should I do? The pastor said, these kinds of pastors aren't around anymore, but the pastor said, when you go to sleep this evening, just roll that tongue of yours out on the pillow and let it rest a good while. Now notice how wisely I didn't use a female or male gender. Now listen, I'm closing. I'm racing that clock and I'm going to beat it. Spiritual depression generally refers to a loss of spiritual vitality and joy. And in terms relating to Christianity, a spiritual depression might involve this. When you're going through a spiritual depression, 
You're not only dealing with depression and discouragement and heaviness, you're dealing with an enemy who's looking for an opportunity to take you out. And what are some of the things? Losing touch with your faith. Forgetting God and struggling to find time for spiritual things in your life. I've called some folks and I've, I've intended to call other folks who, who only show up once every couple of months. That ain't going to cut it. Focusing more on past mistakes. This is spiritual depression. Focusing more on past mistakes and inconsistencies in your worship, prayer life, service to God and help to others. And what follows is a general sense of unhappiness and will to continue living the Christian life. Depression attacks you in every direction. And what follows is a general sense of unhappiness. And you no longer have a will to continue living the Christian life because you're miserable. Spiritual depression goes all the way back to the Bible. That's why our text says in Psalm 42, Why art thou cast down, O my soul, and why art thou disquieted me? Hope thou in God. Get your mind off of the doldrums and get your mind back on God. Get your focus, like Bendilly preached Wednesday, get your focus back on God. Keep your eyes on God. And the things of this world will grow strangely dim when you got your eye on God. You won't be caught up in all the non-essentials. Then, of course, outside of the context of Christianity, both spiritual depression and depressive orders happen regardless of people's religion or spiritual practices. But for sure, one of the first signs believers are experiencing spiritual depression is they will feel disconnected from spiritual things. My wife and I, we talk a lot, we pray a lot more now because of this terminal illness. Sister Lewis, you know what I'm talking about. But you got to stay focused. And my wife will say to me two, three times a day, if the subject comes up, this thing can break out on us any moment. This thing can take my life. That's what they said. And she combats that with, but I'm going to go to heaven. When it happens, I'm going to go to heaven when it happens. We only see it from this side, but God sees it from his side, and it's never ending. Sister Lewis knows what I'm talking about. Others who have had terminal illnesses know. Then, of course, outside of the context of Christianity, 
all these depressive, all these, uh, depressive disorders. But for sure, one of the first signs believers are experiencing spiritual depression is they will feel disconnected from spiritual things. They will struggle. And I've watched them from this pulpit. They will struggle to find joy in worship. They will withdraw from their church and their fellowship of the believers. They will avoid other members of the church. They will lose interest in the regular routine of church events or end up performing their spiritual duties from a sense of duty or feeling like Bible study or other pursuits have lost their meaning, but they just go through them because they have this sense of duty. In short, I'm closing. Sherm, come on with a song. In short, they have lost the cutting edge of their experience with God. They feel unable to talk with God or worse yet, believe God no longer hears their prayers. And when we lose our comfort in prayer and that sense of having connection with God, then deep valleys and all kinds of trouble is ahead. And when they arrive, negative and pessimistic thinking about God and our faith takes over our thinking. And we begin to entertain thoughts of quitting or Christianity is too hard to keep up with. Or we start doubting and questioning our faith. And especially watch for this spiritual depression because it will begin to create tension and tightness in your personal relationship with one another. Then your marriage becomes threatened. You no longer feel you can share your struggles with your spouse because you believe they won't understand what you're going through. And what follows all that are sad and hopeless moods on more days than not. Feelings of guilt and unworthiness begin to create negative self-talk. I can always tell when people are in, a, in the valley. They got this criticalness. They've got this curtness. They've got this sharp tongue. And they almost speak, and they almost speak in, 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 in symbols. <laughs> you don't know what I know. You don't know what's going on in that church. You don't know about that one. You don't know about that one. You're L-O-S-T in a F-O-G. And you need to wake up. Your soul is on the line. You don't have to worry about anybody else's soul. You need to take care of your own business. Peter looked at John and said, Jesus said, what about this guy? What's going to, and Jesus said, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. Spiritual depression is all any of us can handle, much less any other aggravation or stupidity. Then you become less interested in friends and lose your motivation. Anger and irritability begin to attack your mind and you become a prime target for the devil to convince you to walk away from his people, walk away from his church, and even walk away from their families. It all can develop in this bubble we call life 
in which we face every day our ordinary troubles and trials and stresses of everyday life, especially when gas prices are soaring and food prices are climbing higher and crime is going unpunished in many cities, left wing, inflation is rising, our investments are falling, our borders are wide open for infiltration of drugs, terrorists, and disrupting of the normal lives and all the fears we have for our children and families. Through it all, through it all, I have an answer. Hope thou in God. Somebody go find God. You go find God and get as close to God as you can get. I close with this. Speaker and missionary, Elizabeth Elliot. I think I got her book. I tried to find it last night, Mud on My Boots. Her husband was killed by the savages. And then another husband died. And Elizabeth Elliot speaks to large audiences. And women, after every seminar, they flock up to her and they just wail and they mourn and they groan and they dump all their troubles on Miss, uh, Sister Elliot. My husband is lost. My children are wild. I'm struggling with depression. We've got this and that. Can't keep up with the bills. And you know what Elizabeth Elliot says to every one of them? She says, do the next thing you got to do. You got to change the diapers, change it. You got to clean the house, clean it. You got to go to work, go to work. You got to pray, pray. You got to go to church, church. Do the next thing you know you got to do. You got to keep walking. Don't find a corner and have a pity party and expect all the saints to come to the rescue and coddle you. Grow up. Told the saints the other day, we don't want to have to give you part your mustache to give you a bottle. Grow up. You hear me? What's out there is more than we can handle. But you're not going to handle it if you're not faithful to God. And I'm preaching to you like it's my last sermon. And it may be. None of us know. You better pull it together. Do the next thing you've got to do. What good practical advice. Don't give up. Take care of your domestic responsibilities. Take care of your parental responsibilities. Take care of your spiritual responsibilities and just keep walking. And that's what I've come here to tell you this morning. I don't think it's going to get better. 
at least for a while. But you got to do something about it. The psalmist, listen to what he said. Verse 4, when I remember these things, what things? These things, these blessings of God, these good times with God. He said, I pour out my soul in me. For I had gone, for I had gone past tense with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise. I went with the brothers, with the sisters, with the children. I went with a multitude that kept the holy days. That's how you got to handle your situation. You got to take yourself and talk to yourself. Hope thou in God. David encouraged himself in the Lord. Sometimes there's nobody around you that's there to help you. You got to take the bull by the horns. And that bull is me and you. Oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore will I remember thee from the land of Jordan. I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Oh, how we need God to smile on us again. How we need God to lift us. How we need God to inspire us and strengthen us. And I believe there are people here that need a lift. And that may be a good number in this congregation because there's not a church in America or church anywhere that doesn't need God's help, doesn't need a lift from God, doesn't need to come to an altar and say, oh God, give me the grace, give me the strength. Help me to hope thou in God. And the Bible says we're living in the day where the only hope of the people is the Lord. This world's crying over constitutional freedom. You need spiritual freedom more than constitutional freedom. You need the grace of God to deliver you from bondage, from your enemies, from those things that are tormenting you, those things that are holding us down. God, help us this morning to have a little prayer, a little, a little time with Jesus. Isn't it good to have Sherm on the mound again? <laughs> he always pitches a no-hitter. What you got for us? Let's stand and let's take a moment to pray, church. Let's take a moment to pray for ourselves and pray for others. Let's ask God to help us this morning before we leave. God bless you.